sorry. I'm so it sorry. No, it's no, okay. no. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Charity. I'm Stacy. I'm Lee. And I'm Amelia. And we're sitting at the table with our dear friend, Eric French. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hey. His daytime job is in sales. He has been married for 25 years to a wonderful woman who we like to call friend. They have four children. And he would really like for you to know, first and foremost, that he is a faithful believer in Jesus Christ. He is heavily involved in a local Celebrate Recovery ministry where he is a sponsor, facilitator, coach, and accountability partner. He is bold, passionate, driven, a servant leader, and a klutz. (laughs) (laughs) And we might talk about, he might talk about that a little bit. Welcome, Eric French. Thank you for having me. So, mm, when did I? When did we have the conversation about you coming on the podcast? I don't remember. We were talking, we were talking about worship or something with church, and yeah. it came up, and mm-hmm. I was like, I know a little bit about your story, what you've shared, and it's it's powerful. And I just remember thinking, man, we need to have you on. And are you willing to share? And of course, you were, what? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if I know one thing about Eric, he is, we share the same Enneagram. I know there's controversy about the Enneagram right now. Like, okay, whatever. But we have a very similar personality. Mm-hmm. We're very bold. We get each other. We do. On levels. <laughs> so um, he, I know he was eager um, to tell his story of freedom in Christ. So we're just going to start off. Yeah. So how do you define freedom in Christ? Freedom in Christ. So for me, um, freedom in Christ or freedom in general, there's, and this is again my two cents about it, but there's an outward freedom. I read this a long time back, but there's an outward freedom and an inward freedom. Mm -hmm. Outward freedom is what most of us Americans get to experience all the time. We have the freedom to choose, places to go. We can do what we want, when we want, and typical human thought is don't care what you think about yeah. me doing it. And that is a and a, that's a freedom that we're afforded as Americans. Unfortunately, that's not common throughout the world. Um, and I think a lot of times we take those freedoms for granted. However, freedom in Christ to me is more of a inward freedom. And it's a freedom that says it's not about doing what you want when you want, but it's about having the discernment to be able to get yourself aligned with God and where your decision and your thought process and your actions are indifferent from his will. And there is a freedom in that space that you have to experience to love it. There, It's something that once you tap into that, it's an experience that it's a freedom that you don't know until you know it. And there's a lot of theory behind it. You know, everybody can talk about it, but there is a freedom in Christ that makes everything else obsolete. And there's some truth to that as far as my experience goes. Um, But, you know, I know like in, you know, in Romans, it says, you know, the wage of sin is death, right? Well, to me, by not doing what those things are, I think every person can 
fill in the blank. What is, what's your vice? I mean, it's like I struggle with blank. And sin, there are sins out there that we know about that do have physical ramifications that can't kill you. I mean, that's just a fact of science. No offense or buts about it. But it's a matter of the question that I had to ask myself at one point, uh, which really led me down to the path of trying to find the freedom in Christ, is what is occupying my time? What do I, what consumes me in a day? And so, you know, Christ dying on the cross took all that away. And it's, it's not the fact that it's a literal physical uh, ramification, although that does exist, but it's about what am I giving my time to? What is my idol? What is it? Because anything can be a sin. Yeah, too much of obsession of anything, you know, you know, face it from gaming to virtual reality to I'm a workaholic. So too much of a good thing. Too much of a good, a good thing, thing is, you know, that is possible. Yeah. And the, the freedom of that is, it's something that I have to remind myself quite often. I mean, I'm not above it. We were just talking about that in the car ride. Like yesterday, I was with Amelia and her husband, Lowell, and we were having, he was really in a deep thought about this, that even your service for Christ can become mm-hmm. like an idol. Yeah, It can be above the love of Christ and the love of others, your service or your gifts that mm-hmm. the Spirit has given you, it can become your identity instead of Christ itself. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I've experienced that myself. How, it, it, how? How have you experienced that? You know, being involved in the church or helping others, I have very much have a servant mentality, which for me personally, I don't care what comes out of the chat. You know, it's a person's actions are tenfold of what they say about somebody. You know, well, one of my hang-ups over the last few years has been not knowing when to say no. And it was a stark reality in 2022 when all of a sudden I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. I was burnt out. I was spent. My mentality changed towards it. And it wasn't about an individual or what I was committed to. It was me. And that began to show. And that was the last thing of anything that I wanted to come across. So it's something that we have to be very conscious of mm-hmm. as individuals. Mm-hmm. And so you talked about, you've, you've said this, um, that until you experience it, yeah. you know it. I, I really want to go just kind of land on that a little bit. That's the word that I have written down here is whenever you were telling that, that you had to experience Christ in order to really appreciate But you also have to experience everything outside of Christ as well, Mm -hmm. because it's about knowing the difference. And and you you were mentioning that this freedom, there is this freedom that is Mm -hmm. inward in Christ. And we have to experience everything outward and how bad it is in order to really enjoy the love of Christ. Yeah, regrettably, Mm -hmm. it comes, I'm one, my story that it comes, it came with the price. Yes. And so that's what we want to get to. Um, that's the good stuff yes, it is. that we want to get to. Um, so let's just go ahead and go there. So tell us your, let's get, give us some backstory that you want to share with us that actually you had to experience mm-hmm. in order to realize that wasn't the answer, right? That Christ was the answer. So we all have that. So mm-hmm. we want to hear yours. Okay. So. The two-minute drill, so to speak, on my life. I was born and raised in Southern California. 
um, was raised in a Christian family. Um, I was adopted by my father uh, at a very young age. So um, was born and raised in the church. Uh, so the two-minute canned version of me is I was uh, born in Southern California, born and raised in the church, uh, family of middle class. My father was a career firefighter. My mom was a homemaker. I have two younger brothers. Uh, I myself was adopted um, by my father at a relatively young age, um, but grew up like every teenager, uh, or most common teenager, I would say, and was baptized January 28th of 87, I believe. Excuse me, 88 was when I was baptized at a youth rally in Ventura, California. So, That's uh, awesome, by the way, that you remember that. I do. That was, it must have been a very powerful it moment. It was. Yeah. It was. It was one of those things where, as most Christians, when they're, they're saved and they make that decision, it's a high, is, is all I can say. You know, the, the world's to be conquered. Um, graduated high school, went to Harding for a year, couldn't afford to go back. So stayed back in California and decided to go to a local school there, finish out a two-year worked nights, worked days, and took night classes, got that accomplished, and mm -hmm. ultimately came, ended up back in Arkansas, which we'll get into a little bit later. But uh, there, went back to Harding, finished up, or actually burnt myself out on college as I reached <laughs> that shocked. point. No. And uh, of all places, met my wife in student financial services. Uh, she was actually the receptionist there, and little did I know I was going to be financing for the rest of my life. <laughs> I didn't realize that those loans came with a 80-year guarantee. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you don't mind. No, not at all. Not at all. But uh, in a nutshell, uh, got married, uh, went to work. We moved up to central Arkansas. Odd jobs. Uh, I was an a uh, little backstory here, but my wife had uh, two kids before we got married. Mm -hmm. um, moved, became a dad overnight, and went immediately went to work and was just knowing that I was doing the right thing, so God was going to bless my path and mm -hmm. worked several jobs and two jobs a lot of times. And, you know, my wife always worked as well. And then we had two more children. Uh, and then my life took a turn. I would say for us as a whole, what led us to Northwest Arkansas was when our son was diagnosed with autism. And so that was a life-altering diagnosis where we immediately had to change what we thought our path was, uh, literally 90 degrees. And so you change perspective. I ended up um, having going to look for jobs and the greater area, so we were looking Little Rock, Springfield, uh, Northwest Arkansas, Tulsa, as far as I went, and ended up in Northwest Arkansas 15 years ago. Why did you start looking for a different job? You said you were working two jobs, and mm -hmm. then, but you said in the greater area, like you were willing to move. Why? What? What brought that on? We knew that I we had reached a ceiling as far as like income. I mean, every demographic in the country has income parameters, and and we knew that we had to based on what we were going to have to do, required more, and that was not obtainable in the market that we were in. Okay. And so we looked at it from nine ways of Sunday, prayed about it, and said, hey, 
if this is your will, give us a door. And when he opened the door, he wasn't kidding, but it cost me to spend a year over here in Northwest Arkansas with and being a weekend dad, mm. so to speak. So, you know, sometimes when that door is open, you got to be willing to have your faith in God to say, I'm willing to take that step no matter it's not always pretty. So from your story, what would you say? There's a lot there. There is. So what would you say, just from what you told, you, you've told us, was one of the hardest times to see God move in that time? Like its purpose. Does that make sense? Like, did you ever question why or... Like, this is so hard. I don't know how we're going to make it through this. Or I've done all these things because I, I heard you say early on, I had been doing all the right things. Yeah. <laughs> I caught on to that. And then all of a sudden, all this other stuff starts happening in life. You're, you're shifting mm-hmm. jobs. You're, you, I mean, you became an overnight dad. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a blessing. Yes. And you chose it. Mm-hmm. Um, but where in your story would you say was the hardest time that but most powerful time that you realize God was present or not good question Mm -hmm. so let's rewind back to we'll start the story in 1992 the year that I couldn't go back to Harding University okay so um, I had decided in my formal education that I had my path lined out this is what I wanted to do and so for me, that was going, I wanted to do PR for the fire service, kind of like the spokesperson that, mm-hmm. um, with the emphasis of arson investigation, that was what I wanted to do. And so uh, I was blessed, and I thought that this was my path simply because the county where I grew up, you had county municipalities. So lots of small towns didn't have fire departments, you were covered by the county. Mm-hmm. And I would have been fourth generation on the department. So my grandfathers were there, my dad was there, and I had all this formal education, and I knew that this was where I was supposed to go. Uh, In that time frame, I had met a woman who was my fiance, and she had got saved, and everything seemed to be in line. And I was just, this is awesome. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. So you were doing what you, the plan was set out for your life, I'm hearing, even before you knew it was set out for your life. Because this was a heritage thing about the fire department. Oh, yeah. You know, this was like, oh, my grandpa did it. But it's very, very common that our lives are already planned for us before we even get to. So it's like there's comfort in that, right? I made the assumption that was my path. Okay. So that was what I... Didn't get the job. It was the first time that they were hiring in, I think, 15 or 16 years. Uh, I, for whatever the reason, didn't make the cut after seven months of testing. Um, And usually in that line of work, you have three oral, you do like several written exams, physical agilities, oral boards. And I just took it as a punch, but I was like, okay, I can shake this off. You know, this is not bad. So I went with a city here and a city there and kept getting the same answer. And block, uh, block, yep, block. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. And it was different reasons. It wasn't all the same reason, but it was just like, what am I doing wrong? And, you know, then the optimism kicked down another notch. And then it was like, all right, I'm going to start grabbing for straws here. Mm-hmm. 
And along the lines, um, it all came to a head probably 18 months, two years in. Um, I won't go into dates and details, but basically found my fiance cheating on me. And one thing led to another with the job. And I one day just said, you know what? Screw it. Screw it. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yep. I we said. to that point, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I've tried. Yeah. I keep trying. It's not working. Yeah. Yeah. But being the personality that I am, I'm either in something 110% or I'm not in it at all. And there's really no middle ground. I've had to learn middle ground. Mm-hmm. That things are give and take and not absolutes. Uh, so at that time, uh, I decided to ratify my life and do all the things that I prevented myself from doing. And so the dark side of it was not only did I just say put <laughs> religion on the back burner, but uh, you know my uncle had a karaoke circuit around the county uh, five, five, six nights a week. So I became a bouncer where he was at, mm-hmm. uh, continued to work my jobs as was the case. And when I'd get off 10, 11 o'clock at night, well, there's not much I remember there in about a 10-month run, even though I paid my bills. But anything that impacted me from years prior, one thing that I shouldn't have done that I did was I made a kind of a bucket list of people that I was going to get back for doing me wrong. So to touch, dip my toe in the water back into high school, I was a, I was a person that was picked on all through high school. And so bullied. Bullied, yes. Extremely bullied? Uh, Can you tell a little bit about that? Like, how were you bullied? I was verbally bullied, pushed around, things like that. There was physical involved, but I was never, I was stout enough that I wasn't, I tried to get jumped once or twice, but I could hold my own. And so at this point in my life, I'm certainly not. Yeah, y'all can't see Eric, but Eric is a very strong man. I mean, he's a he's not a tiny guy. He can, he, yes, definitely hold his own. Yeah. yeah, well, back then I was a lot leaner than okay. what I am now. <laughs> I didn't say but, large. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't, you said that. So at but. the time, um, I was going to make it a point to get retribution for those that had done me wrong. And not only in the... I won't go into what occurred with my girlfriend at the time, but I let—I didn't just light that world on fire. I nuked it uh, and didn't just do it with that, but her family, and that was wrong on my part. Um, so you were hurt, oh, and you were yeah. going to hurt. Yeah, it wasn't just I was hurt. It was hurt with a vengeance. Yes. And mm-hmm. so over the course of that time that I was living that lifestyle, I probably got... 13 out of the 20 and that's a, that's a pretty good average I yeah I mean you I almost, knew who you almost checked them all off and the yeah. tent in the town that I grew up in wasn't small by any stretch of the word but it wasn't like the greater LA area where you would not see somebody I mean we had a our town was several tens of thousands but it wasn't impossible kind of like here you can run into someone so most people didn't necessarily go their separate ways mm-hmm. and so so was it at that point in the we'll just call it the checklist of vengeance mm-hmm. um that you realize like at, at that point when did you realize like this isn't working um it wasn't life wasn't going the way and so i hear you say you were trying to take some kind of control back yeah. of your life very yeah. much so mm-hmm. i was and going, using people to do it exactly i was going to do the very things that i had abstained from all along 
or it wasn't what anyone would expect you to do. Like you did the right thing, right? Or exactly. the image of the right thing. Yes. Yeah. I kind of played these scenarios out in my head long before I ever engaged. But you were smart. Yeah. You were smart at it. Mm-hmm. I was. And that is a that can be a very dangerous combination. So I'm going to talk to the listeners right now that we've said it in here. It's um, hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are going through something that's very, like you are hurting, like feeling like you are being slammed um, and you feel like you want to take some kind of control of that, we're just asking you, I know Eric would say, stop for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's wrong. Is it going to be worth the next step, right? Mm-hmm. So tell us about what, where did that get you in life and what did that lead to and how did that bring you freedom or did it? Well, I'll it tell you how God works in the yes. middle of our ignorance and stupidity. Yes. <laughs> so my night job was delivering for a pizza company. And even in my own stupidity, did not only God intervene at one point, but he also kicked me out of this rut that I was in. And so um, there was one person who was at the top of my list. And there was one night that I was delivering a pizza and pulled up to this house, saw the party going on outside, and immediately honed in on the person. And I said to myself, this is it. And I remember getting out of my S10 pickup and carrying a pizza in one hand and had my fist balled in the other and I came walking up to the house with he and his buddies and he came walking out to meet me I'm like here it goes here we go hands Did down he meet your fist first or your nope. words <laughs> he walked up to me uh and he said hey what's up Eric I said hey what's going on and I said doing well and he paid for his pizza I gave him his pizza And as he turned to walk away, which is when I was going to do what I was going to do, he turned around and he said, Eric, I need to tell you something. And he said, I need to apologize to you. Mm. And I went, for what? And he said, I was a blank in high school. And he said, you never, ever turned and addressed me in the same manner that I did you. And he goes, I have found God. And he goes, I've been saved. And he said, I need you an apology. I owe you an apology. And I will tell you right then and there, if you could have been smacked out of my body, that was the last thing I was expecting out of his mouth. And what did I do? Okay. I, I forgive you. I've got chills. I've got, I'm like, I do. I'm, I'm literally chills. crying. Because like, I'm is, like, that that's how God, God works. Intervention. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I didn't know what, what to say. Need. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know what to say. And you didn't have to say anything, but it's just—it's the, the beautiful way that God will use our hurt to get our attention. Yeah, He did. He actually gave you back kindness, and you were not yeah. expecting. So He killed you with kindness. Absolutely, basically, and, is what happened. Yeah. And any scenario that I could have expected Him to reply in, that was not one of them. That was right out of right field. And it's just beautiful. So that was a turning point. Oh for yeah, you. it wasn't only a turning point, but I'm gonna. I'll share just briefly kind of how it elevated. So Mm -hmm. that kicked me back. That was like getting kicked in the head by a mule. Um, And so right there immediately after I repented. And, but always know this, the actions that we do have ramifications. So during that time, there were trailings coming out that I had to deal with. 
Um, and without going into too much detail, there was this one kid who wanted to fight me. Like it was just obvious about it, you know, always giving me the bird. I'm going to catch you all the rest of the stuff. Now understand I'm still delivering pizzas. And it was about probably three or four months afterwards. And I know that it was 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. And in my hometown, you had Central Avenue, which means you didn't have a, a square, but kind of like uh, where we live, you could see all the way down left and right. And my truck died at the intersection. Right as I looked over and I see he and his buddy standing on a corner. Now, 10 o'clock in a small town, there ain't nobody out. I mean, we're not talking like... Because doesn't it uh, shut down at yeah. like 9 o'clock? Yes, yes. Him and his buddy. And his buddies. It, yep. On this street. And, and was this after you'd been saved? Like you like Yeah, repented, this repented this was after I repented back. and mm-hmm. told yeah. God that I am I will do what you want when you want and I am sorry. Yeah. And I this we will not cross this path again. And I You're about to be sifted. Oh yeah. <laughs> so my truck died and I was just like, Well, here we go. I'm getting ready to I created this and I I climbed out of my truck popped the hood and I pushed on the wire on the car that I knew was loose. And he and his buddies came running across the street at the corner of the high school. And I remember as I had the hood open, I called out to God and I said, Lord, you've asked me to have faith in you. I've repented and I've avoided this guy. Never, never done something. So I need you to deliver me from this situation. And no more did those words come off my tongue. Mm. And I kid you not. Now the town's dark all of a sudden blue and red lights show up behind my back and I'm facing the intersection and a cop pulls between me and this guy that is so cool. rolls down his window and says, are you okay? Are you broke down? Do you need a tow truck? And I went, no officer. And I'm just shaking at this point, putting, but you can hang around, sir, the, yeah. the, putting the wire back on. And he goes, okay, just want to make sure you work. And off he went. And I sat in that truck. One, I mean, I started the truck up and took off, and I mean, those guys were livid. I could see them jumping up and down as I drove away. And to this day, there was no car on that avenue in either direction, and this was the central avenue that you can see a mile in either direction. There was nothing in front of me, nothing in back of me. I do not know where he came from. Now, I'm not saying that he just manifested himself. I may not have had I, we do believe purview, mm-hmm. but that there, it there is been an angel, Eric. It there is. No chance that that was coincidence. Right. None. Absolutely. And that was when I was like, okay. Absolutely. And then shortly after that, the Northridge quake happened, um, which Northridge got all the attention, but it pretty well leveled my hometown. Um, And at that point, um, I decided that I needed to change my life, not just change it for faith, but change my settings. And I gave my bosses three months' notice, and I said, God, put me where you want me. And I literally sold most everything I had. I had plenty of money at the time. And you should have seen the U-Haul place when I wanted to rent a little six-foot trailer for three months at a time. They went, how long? Um, And I hit the road, and I never looked back. And where did you go after that, after all that happened? Where was it? I don't know if you told us in your story. It was in Southern California, but I drove across multiple states, hanging out here, hanging out there, and me and my best friend, that's what we did. We spent 
several months doing it and ended up getting a flat tire in Bald Knob, Arkansas. <laughs> Your story just never ends. Like, it's just no, so honestly, extrinsic. I got a flat tire and said, you know what? Let's see where this goes. And one thing led to another. Through all like the coincidences that aren't coincidences in your story, it really shows how God was like looking out for you and could see like how you were going to change in that moment. Like he set all these little things that led you to Mm -hmm. another path and then another down your road. And it's really cool to see how he aligned all this together, which you might not have realized in that, Mm -hmm. like every little moment, but looking back, you can see the whole thing. Yes, oftentimes um, we lose sight of the forest through the trees, mm-hmm. and it's it's always easy to look back and see where the path was, yeah. but that block of time forever changed who I was, and it wasn't without repercussions to come in the future because sure. you develop lots of hurts, habits, and hangouts. There, there are, there is this life in this this yeah. world, and it's fallen, and so anytime we make those, and I don't. I've kind of gotten to where in my life, was it really a mistake or was it used to mold? Yeah. You know, because I know we've talked about in here, I I just personally wouldn't go back and change anything in my life um, because it molded me to who I am. You know, mm-hmm. today. Well, every every time, the whole point is we're supposed to remember those things. Like today, you're sharing those with us as a, we're, I'm remembering these things because in remembering them, that's what built your faith. Yeah. It's, it's something that we can look back on and go, he was with me in this moment. Why am I doubting him now? I can see his hand and how he, he saved me from this or whatever. And so when we have those moments in our life today, we can reflect on them and go, it is, it's the faith in, in who rescues me and saves me that, that I need to, you know, um, surrender to that. And, faith. and that God, mm-hmm. if we hear anything, this is what I'm hearing in Eric's mm-hmm. story, is that God does allow us to make our own choices, mm-hmm. reaping the consequences, yes. whether good or bad, of our own choices in order to lead us into complete faith mm-hmm. in him. Um, and he, I love how he he spoke your language because you're bold, you're driven. He literally sent like a police officer, you know, on the road to you to get your attention. I don't know that anyone else would have, you know, that would have called to their attention. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That um, he was that bold with you, even when you had given up. And another thing I want to say real quick. You said you called out. You called out like twice so that you've shared to us, Lord, save me. Mm-hmm. It was very bold. And I think of the story of Peter on the water, mm. right? When he goes out, he, there's a storm going on brewing around him, and he literally steps out. They realize it's not a ghost or anything, that it's actually Christ. And he wants to go to Jesus so badly. Mm-hmm. He wants to be with Jesus that he actually walks out on the water amidst the storm. Then he realizes, oh, crap. I mean, I'm in the midst of a storm. He starts looking at the storm. And what's so important about that story is that he never had to reach out his hand to him. Jesus, immediately when mm-hmm. he said, Lord, save me, Jesus is the one that reached out his hand and caught him. And I hear God catching you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. A lot. Yes. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Not to say because later going forward in the story, yeah, I'm a butthead. I mean, yeah. I've made other plenty <laughs> of other stupid decisions, yes. but that was a time in my life that forever has changed the way that I engage and act and most of all serve. Right. Meaning that that's why servant leadership is so important to me um, is because of we've been there. We've done that. We've everybody's story is different. And so all that being said, I've made other mistakes in my lifetime, but, and I'm sure Stephanie can testify to this. I've no, she said this to me one time and she didn't really know how it impacted me, but she told me, she goes, you have always owned your actions when you've been wrong. Mm. Yes. Because I am not so prideful that I will not say I'm sorry when I'm wrong. I'll be the first to admit when I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. doesn't mean that it hasn't been a week in my stupidity. Mm-hmm. But when I when we reach that point, realize it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'll admit it. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. Because really, I should have put in your bio, like intro, is that you are a truth seeker. Yes. You are a truth liver and you are, you are a truth seeker. Mm-hmm. That is something about Lee. What? It really made me think of is it kind of took me back to a story in the Bible um, with Abraham and Sarah, whenever like God promised to give them a child, but they're like, this is taking too long. Um, let's just use my servant and let's have a baby instead because <laughs> they didn't want to wait on it. And they didn't have that faith that God was going to do that in his way. Um, and that really altered like the state of how the whole world developed and um, that God still kept his promises to them in delivering that child. It just took them a little bit to get there and he'll always have those promises along the path. Even if we try to mess up his plans, we can't mess up his plans. Amen to that. Yeah, that's right. He's got his plans. Yes. And I love how he uses Mm -hmm. our mistakes. He uses that for his good and for his glory. He will always use our hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've always looked at like I was actually talking to your wife, Eric, Uh earlier today. Love conversations with her. And we were talking about how God has a plan for all of our lives. It may look different, but it's one tree. It's one plan. And then, you know. They're like many branches. We can make a choice, but at the end of the day, it's all going to lead back to the same home, right? Yeah. The same. It's at the same tree. Mm-hmm. We may take a harder branch and it may fall, or we may be on the green one that's just big and mm-hmm. strong, but either way, God's there with us the whole time. Yeah, and when he wants you to do something, it's going to be pretty prevalent. I mean, it's not always at the start that we... It's not, you know, the heavens don't open and the light doesn't come down, and it's like, here, you idiot, go left versus right. Right. Uh, well, maybe it is out there for some, but it could be, you know, I'm no one to say to limit that, but the, the, the truth in it is as much as when I knew when I, after I met my wife, when I knew I was falling in love, my wife had two kids before I married her and had anybody ever told me that I would have married with a woman with two kids when I was younger, Mm -hmm. I would have said, no, there's going to be a cold day down South before that happens. (laughs) And I kid you not, when I was, because there's just lots of things that surround those types of environments. I mean, there's spouses and exes and all kinds of things that, you know, as a stupid teenager, I'm like, no way, I'm not going to do that. And I kid you not, if I didn't like 
when I, I had the conversation with God at one point that if this is not what you want me to do, please let it be seen. And I even went to the scriptures to find a problem with her circumstances. Oh. And I kid you not, I believed everything she said, but I mean, I listened to what her dad said. I listened to what friends said. I hit the scriptures. And I mean, even in her circumstance, it was scriptural. And all I'm saying is, is that everybody, everybody has reasons mm-hmm. for being a single parent. And there's a, there's a courage and there is a profound acknowledgement that should be out there for single parents, whether that's single moms or single dads and do what it takes to, to make that happen. But there's that, there was just that young youth that, you know, oh, I'm not going to do X. And God goes, no, this is what I've got in mind for you. And I do not regret it to this day because there is, man, I'm going to tell you straight up. Yeah. If I had married him, I'd have divorced my butt a long time ago. I mean, I wouldn't put up with myself. She, she has, she is my all in all. And I couldn't have picked another person to do that little plus the stupid things to come, but she's wonderful. Yes. Yes. So something I wasn't even planning on asking. And I think I heard you say, so when did you realize being right was wrong and being righteous was freedom or have you, do you know what I mean when I ask that? Say it again. That being right was actually wrong, but being righteous, because that's faith, really trusting. Did you ever go through that? Because, you know, you had this mold and this plan that was mm-hmm. like planned out for your life. It was right. You may not have even ever thought about that. And then where did you get onto this path of, I'm just going to be led more by faith? I mean, you have talked about, about it, but have you ever thought about it in that way? I have. Um, you live a righteous life now. I, try. I know. I know you. It's not about being right. It's about being righteous and living a faith-driven life. There are, there are, t- there are segments in my walk where my faith has led me unequivocally. And when you get outside of that five percent, the other ninety-five percent is me screwing everything up. Mm-hmm. If we're just talking honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, when I left California, that was literally faith in God, had no plans, no expectations, no right. nothing. I had learned my lesson there. Um, when I got married, I did it again. Well, God's going to bless me with this. Well, guess what? You're working aluminum die casting eight hours a day, and then you're going and serving tables at night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not what, that's what that I thought going would on, be. God, yeah. I did everything right. I'm doing everything right. My problem was I put... I took God down to a box and I pigeonholed him and said, oh, well, guess what? I've married a woman with two kids. I've foregone a formal education further. You know, I'm sacrificing. You know, I'm God's going to bless me. Right and now. that was on me. That That's was my right. stupidity. That's being right. Mm-hmm. Now, did he bless me? Beyond measure. Yes. But I can tell you to this day, I remember working in that aluminum die casting saying, you know, Lord, I would love to have a job where I traveled one of these days. And just get to see and and get to see. I can tell you after 15 years, I'm sick of flying. (laughs) He gave me me what I asked for, and I am blessed uh, beyond measure. But after I've done it, (laughs) you know, it's like, yep, that was another one. (laughs) So 
now, you know, you've been led to it. So I want to get to now in yeah. your walk and today in your walk and the way you serve, the way we get to witness you serve um, a family of God is I've worked pretty closely with you the past mm-hmm. year in, in ministry and stuff. And I just, I love the way that you, I, I, I hear Eric and the way you're describing him you know, in the past, but I don't really see that side of Eric anymore. And I think that should be refreshing for you. And I want you to know, I see a more righteous Eric, a more faith-driven Eric than what you've told um, this. So can you talk about how you feel right now in the freedom that you have in Christ and how you feel today? Yes. Um, When it comes to callings, or when we find something that you know is right. For me, my stepping out was a program called Celebrate Recovery. Um, it was a program that I we heard about, talked about, and I was going to get in it because I was going to help other people. And for those of you that can't see, I'm using quotations. Um, because I didn't have any problem. What's the first step? Denial. Yes, um, it is. <laughs> and so, Realizing I'm not God. It, exactly. Yes. And... Celebrate Recovery was about hurts, habits, and hangups, but it was actually an environment where I actually saw people walking the walk, talking the talk, and it was, to me, Christianity as what Christ described, was that it really opened the doors from the traditional secular side of religion where it's hush-hush, you know, oh, everybody's perfect, we all come to get in. I'm sorry, church is a hospital for sinners. I mean, that's... And, but it was about people being real with their struggles and it was a place to be able to open. And mm-hmm. I'm quite transparent. My story is my story. And if on judgment day, it's all going to be rolled out anyway. Well, let me give you the, well, let me give you the trailer. <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah, he spoiler doesn't alert. remember your sins. Yes. <laughs> That's right. But Just dropping that. <laughs> Celebrate Recovery was what really brought me out to where I am today. And like all of us, we've experienced those that, you know, oh, they've got it all together or, man, I don't even look at the world the same way anymore. Right. Because I know that no matter how great something looks pretty on the outside, mm-hmm. the reality is, is that somebody's got something somewhere. And it's a matter of, for me, I want that personal touch point. Right. I, I am, you say that I'm a truth seeker. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the compliment yeah. because that's something that I'm about. I would rather know 1% of truth about someone than 100% of a story. A fake. A fake. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, good or bad. Right. Uh, it's it's not my, my habits and hangups are not yours and it's not somebody else's to my left or right. But There's only one Christ. Exactly. And none of us are it. I agree. So we're in a fallen world. So. Yeah. And I think that when that truth came out, that was the shroud that Satan wants everybody to believe Absolutely. is that everybody's got their crap together. Everybody's, and I am proud to say that I have brothers and sisters that can hold me accountable. Right. Because for me, I am my own worst enemy. I get inside my head. I can overthink things and want to fix things. And well, it's not very long before <laughs> yeah. I've made it worse. That's <laughs> that you realize again, you're yes. human, right? Mm-hmm. Um, something that I heard today, which I think is not a coincidence that came up, was I was reading and it was talking about righteousness and how um, 
righteousness is having faith in God's word, not following, not having to follow the law, like to a T, like you're going to mess up. Like righteousness is having that faith in God's word. So this is something that we've talked about recently that Abraham was accounted saved by his righteousness, not by the law because he was before the law. Mm Mm-hmm. So the law has nothing to do with, the law was just boundaries that's, in order us to yeah. teach about who God is. And that's exactly what I read today. Really? Crazy. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. I know. So, was about Abraham. Yeah. And so if we're going back to that state of righteousness and faith, I mean, it's where we've got to get to now. And I'll tell you, the lie is that he, he wants you to feel, Satan wants you to feel alone. He wants you to feel like the world's against you, that you can't do it right. So go ahead and give up. You know, no one understands your problems. They, they're good. They've got it all together. You're the one that's left behind. Um, and so we're going to get ready to close out. And I just want to share with the listeners. We say it. We say it a lot on here. Whatever lie you are being fed today, just need you to take a step back, take a breath. And remember the truth in Christ that you are free, you are saved, you are actually sanctified by Christ, nothing that you've done, but everything that he has done. He is the perfect one. He is holy. And because of that, you are made holy. And that holiness is our shield against Satan. So don't forget that. Mm. Be still and know. Be still and know mm-hmm. that he is God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Eric. Oh. You're lovely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Mm-hmm.